0: Welcome to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen, where we help you navigate the challenges of feeding your family, and learn about the role food plays in our health and relationships. Feeding and food relationships can be stressful, confusing and even destructive. I'm Kristen Saxena, a pediatrician and mother of four who's been researching and sharing what I've learned about feeding for over 10 years. In this podcast, I'll share my experience and expertise to help our kids and ourselves with everyday survival tips for real parents. This podcast is about progress, not perfection. So let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. I'm Dr. Kristen Sixena. I am a pediatrician, a mom of four, and a self-proclaimed feeding nerd. Uh, (laughs) On this podcast, we are discussing uh, the challenges that come with feeding a family, as well as exploring the role that food plays in our health and our relationships. And before we dive in and get all started, I do want to make sure and say that I want to hear from you. So we have at the end of every podcast, we do a segment called Ask Me Anything. And that is your chance to ask any burning questions, bring up any topics that you would like us to discuss. So I would very much appreciate it if you would submit your questions to our email, which is Dr. Podcast, that's D-R-K-R-I-S-T-I-N podcast at gmail.com. Or you can submit them through our social media, through Facebook or Instagram. So we'll get right to today's topic, which I'm really excited about. So today we're going to talk about being organized or maybe being disorganized and the role that that might play in the way that we feed our families. And um, I was really excited when we thought of this topic because honestly, I consider myself a semi-recovered messy person. So I, I am not by nature a very organized person. So I thought that this was a very interesting topic to, to discuss. Uh, the other reason I was really excited is that I love to look at things that are really the root cause of some of the challenges we face. So I think for a lot of people that really are interested and truly want to feed their family, feed themselves, their children, their families in a healthier way, Um, It's not that they don't have that desire and it's not even that they don't know how, that they don't know what kind of foods that they want to feed their family. A lot of times there's just something about them, about their circumstance or their lifestyle that's holding them back from being able to really achieve their goals. And I think for some people that might be being organized or tidy in their environment. So I'm very excited to have our guest here today. Casey Ferrazzo is a professional organizer. She is um, someone I've known, actually, for quite a while. So we met probably in the early 2000s through a mutual friend. And I've been fortunate enough to really get to know her over the last 10 Mm -hmm. plus, probably more years, (laughs) um, and get to be friends with her. And honestly, um, you're a very impressive person, really a powerhouse. (laughs) So she is... She is. You you are the owner of Get Organized Omaha, which you founded in 2017 after a 12-year career in human resources. Yes. Um, A wife and a mom of two kids. So a daughter who's nine, correct? And Mm -hmm. a son who's six. Correct, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So juggling all those things. And so like I said, you know, I've always a little bit been fascinated when you – I remember when you started this business and Mm -hmm. I was just – fascinated that someone could become a professional organizer. Because again, it kind of felt so foreign to to my lifestyle. And like, just to get, I feel like you have always, you've only known me in these last 10 so years. And so I think I've told you that I'm really not a tidy, organized person. And in the past you said, oh, I don't believe it. Right. And (laughs) I mean, to be honest, when I was a kid, like in high school, my room was a disaster. I mean, piles of clothes everywhere. And my mom was very clean and tidy. So it wasn't that we were living in this house that was messy. I think just she must have just kind of given up on mm-hmm. my room. And that was, I mean, there are books and papers and kind of all that. Did it bother you? Not at all. Okay. Um, bothered her a little bit. So once in a while, I, you know, get in trouble and have to <laughs> clean it up. But then I remember in college, uh, freshman year, I was living in the dorms. And I got a randomly assigned roommate. And somehow, um, I mean, she, she was as bad as I was. So our room, I mean,
1: situation.
0: <laughs> it was piles of clothes. And, and we, I always said we weren't dirty. You know, mm. there weren't like dirty dishes or pizza boxes or things laying around. But there was stuff everywhere to the point that I remember one guy came by our dorm room and he said, this is the messiest girl's room <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. And I have no doubt that that was true. And so really, I feel like it wasn't until I kind of had to start adulting that I cleaned up my act. And um, I thought about that a little bit. Number one, Casey knows my husband. My husband is a very tidy, organized person. So I definitely think that after getting married, some of that rubbed off on me. And I think if you live with a very tidy, organized, clean person, you have to become a little bit tidier just to kind of keep the peace. Um, And then I really felt like it wasn't until I had kids that I felt like my kind of chaos, messy lifestyle really wasn't serving me yeah so well I really actually felt like I need to get organized because I'm not going to be able to do things the way that I want to be doing them when I have to take care of someone else so that really brings me to my first question because like Mm -hmm. I said I find this so fascinating besides being maybe an organized person yourself what was it that motivated you to decide to become a professional organizer
1: that's a great question Uh, So when I worked, I used to work at Mutual of Omaha, and I was a recruiter there, and I always talked to my colleagues about wanting to start this business, and at the time it was kind of a new thing, and the industry was really just getting started, so I think even my husband was kind of questioning what what I was talking about, Um, but then I actually had a happy hour with some of my, after I left Mutual of Omaha with some of my old friends, And one of them asked me, she said, did you start that business yet? And uh, I had no idea how impactful that one little conversation would be. So she is actually what really got the ball rolling. So I decided that's what I wanted to do. So I really started studying the industry and researched it for a year and started practicing on friends and family and um, joined organizations with people globally to learn more about the business. And I just love doing it. I like working... In HR, there's the people aspect. So I like working with people. I primarily work with families. So it's, and then I like the, it's very rewarding and satisfying to see uh, the mess, so to speak, and then to see the end result. And then just to see people's excitement. Like I had a client just recently said that she thinks it's the best money she spends in a given year because of the results and the stress that's taken away. So I believe
0: that. Mm -hmm. So then um, for those that might not be as familiar mm-hmm. with what hiring a professional organizer might entail, can you kind of walk through what what do you usually do with a
1: client? Absolutely. Climate? So sometimes someone will call and they need maybe their pantry has been bothering them in particular. So I might go work with them for a few hours and get them situated with their pantry and, you know, maybe that that's it. But a lot of times, and I would say more often, it's more of a whole house uh, Picture and they, it it could vary. It, I I would say my number one client are busy moms, and some work in the home, some work outside of the home. It's it really varies. So a lot of times it's you know eighty percent of the house, and we'll tackle one room at a time, or maybe they're getting ready for a move, or maybe they're unpacking from a move. I do work with people who are downsizing as well, and maybe they're in retirement, but probably the main spot, are busy families. So sometimes that looks like coming twice a month for several months, or sometimes they want to knock it out pretty quickly. But yeah, a lot of times it's just, because it all kind of ties together to, um, like yesterday, for example, we were working in someone's, uh, she wanted to start in the kitchen, but really the root problem was that the office needed to be situated, because the paperwork was flowing into the kitchen, because the So sometimes you're taken in a direction, too, that you don't even know you'll be taken.
0: I can believe that. And I wonder, you know, I was going to ask you, you've been doing this now for four four years. years. Mm -hmm. And so kind of how how it has evolved for you over time. And I think another interesting question would Mm be with COVID and lots more people working from home, um, are you finding that that's changed sort of the dynamic? Because to me, sometimes you can leave the house Mm -hmm. and that's easier a little bit to keep it clean when everyone's out of the house and to keep your work things at work and your home things at home. And I think, like you said, I would anticipate it's a lot.
1: Right. You're in it all the time. Absolutely. I think you, you bring up a great question. And a lot of people in the beginning of COVID even said things along the lines of, do you think your business is, is done? Is it going away because people are home and they can take care of it themselves? And I think it's actually, of course, there are people who made that a priority, but, People usually do what they enjoy doing when they're at their home more. So if you like reading, you're probably going to start reading. If you don't love organizing, you're probably not just going to start organizing. So I think it was the exact opposite. And people started probably busier than ever, I would say, probably since June of 20 to now. And I think working in your home, like you said, there's no separation. And, you know, I have a lot of clients that work full time in their house and that they kind of want to pull their hair out. So action needs to be taken. Absolutely.
0: And you've talked to me before about how, in addition to just sort of the physical organizing, Mm -hmm. um, that there's a certain coaching element that you also incorporate into a lot of your work with your clients. Can you tell me a little
1: bit more about that too? I think that a lot of it, it's extraordinarily therapeutic to organize and as odd as it sounds, sometimes it works better to work with a stranger than your mom or your sister or your best friend just because uh, I'm not tied and I'm not going to be biased. And I always tell people, I'll never tell you to get rid of anything, but sometimes it helps someone coming from a different angle or different perspective and kind of try to talk through it. it. Are you keeping this because of guilt? Your sister-in-law gave it to you and you don't like it, but that's why you're hanging on to it. So I can kind of through some of those, you know, roadblocks with them. And additionally, a lot of people kind of joke that I'm—I'm I'm definitely not a counselor, but I'm like a counselor because they're just getting stuff off their chest or something. They may there may have been a box there for three years and they couldn't get to it. And they're like, I don't know why. <laughs> Having you here makes me able to go through this box. I could do it myself, but so I think it's just uh, therapeutic. Is the word I would. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. I could definitely see that. I, think it's, I mean, it's a very emotional thing. It seems It is. like it shouldn't be, but I think that kind of speaks to, there's a lot of other root causes for things being mm-hmm. the way they are. And I think.
1: And it's exhausting and everything's a decision. You have to yes. think, do I need three tongs in the kitchen? I don't know. And I mean, so these things that seem totally silly, but then they add up and and we'll get into this, but make it harder to find. So I think that sometimes having that dedicated time on your calendar, and it's like the personal trainer of your home life. Absolutely. uh,
0: I love that. You should use that if
1: you don't. (laughs) My new slogan. I really
0: (laughs) like that. I'm the personal trainer for cleaning your house. I love it. Um, So, I mean, the first time we talked about this, Mm -hmm. I was really excited because immediately it clicked for you when, when I was bringing this up and you said, absolutely. I see the way that being disorganized contributes to the families that I work with to some of their unhealthy eating habits and I mean it was very clear it was an easy connection for you to make being in it all the time and it also led me to do a little bit of research into that um, which I found really fascinating there actually is quite a bit of research that will study um, you know people living in cluttered untidy environments versus tidy environments and sort of the behaviors and some of the things that from what I gathered was you know living in an untidy environment tends to have people eat make poorer food choices eat more snacks so they've actually had research studies showing that also I uh, read that there were seventy seven percent more likely to be obese or overweight if you lived in a cluttered uh, environment now that's not you know a lot of those studies you can't say what's the cause or these just associations but It was one study, uh, 2013, out of University of Minnesota. And I really like this one because instead of just taking the uh, environment that they lived in, they just had people sit in either an untidy environment or a very clean and neat one for some set amount of time. I don't remember. And then afterward, they kind of did all these behavioral tests on Mm -hmm. them. And one of them was that they offered them a snack that was either an apple or a chocolate which definitely there's room for both, <laughs> but, but that was the test. And so the people that had come from the tidy environment were much more likely to choose the apple than the chocolate and vice versa, right. you know, the people from... The, and so it wasn't even, it said nothing about sort of their inherent tendencies. They didn't make this room clean or messy. Um, it was just being in that environment. And that also made me think about, you know, our kids live in the environment of our making. And so it's interesting to think about how that might be just impacting their behaviors and the choices that they're making. And just the way that even if, you know, sometimes it's nothing, nothing inherent in you, it's just the effect that the environment can have on our behaviors. So that also got me to thinking, you know, what do you, what do you notice? I'm sure like mm-hmm. while you're doing this, you do tons of conversations with these people. And so what do you notice about how being disorganized might affect the way these people feed their families?
1: I could talk a lot about this, but Now's I mean, just even now at <laughs> the time, right off the bat, I think just along the lines of what you were saying, that if your whole home or parts of your home, or you're just feeling that overwhelmed, stressed feeling, I think probably is going to make make you a worse parent in many aspects. Right, we're going to lose our patience easier. I mean, I can speak from self experience many times, so you're at the end of your rope quicker. So can I have, mom, can I have that Rice Krispie bar? No, can I have that Rice Krispie? No, no, fine, just take the Rice Krispie bar. So I think there's a lot of that when Mm -hmm. life is a little chaotic, you know, of course you don't want to give in to your kid and that's like rule number one, but you know, no one's perfect. Totally, well, I I agree because I I was thinking that
0: too is I think the times in my life when I felt the most out of control, whatever circumstances or bad things happen, that's been the time in my life where I've had the hardest time kind of maintaining healthy habits, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I think that speaks to, the, like you said, just the mm-hmm. chaos and feeling out of control.
1: Yes. So the next place that I would go is pantries and kitchens and, uh, you know, the the basics of not knowing what's in your refrigerator, not knowing what's in your pantry. So does it need to look like a Kardashian pantry? No, absolutely not. I'm all about functional spaces and realistic life, but I think everyone needs to take 10 minutes a week. You know, if Sunday's your day, take inventory of what's in your pantry and refrigerator. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that I work with over the years, you know, might not have any idea what's in their Mm -hmm. pantry or what the expiration dates are. And, um, you know, doing some loose meal planning doesn't happen when it's chaos in your eating environment. Mm-hmm. So, um, topic we were going to. <laughs> no,
0: um, I can move on to another. Yeah, okay, right. okay, okay perfect. <laughs>
1: um,
0: well, because I, I was going to ask you also is, like, do you then kind of coach, as you mentioned, making an inventory and doing Meal planning, is that anything that you coach clients with or have conversations with them about? Yes.
1: Yeah, so I'll actually, uh, not always, sometimes, you know, you, we just organize and they're good, but, and a lot of times it's just a natural conversation flow, not even something that's on uh, pen and pa- paper, but I think it's something as basic as you have sports practice on Tuesday night, so okay, That night's going to be probably a quick dinner and nothing planned. But maybe Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night is a more specific meal plan. And so shop for your ingredients that you need weekly. And we talk about having staple. So, you know, in our house, strawberries are going to be on our weekly list no matter what. So you're going to have your staple foods. But then you need to search what you have in your pantry initially. And then before you can really do that, we'll talk about a true deep clean of your pantry or your cupboards or whatever you might have and actually get a true account for what you have and, you know, loosely have a place for everything. So if your kids eat applesauce pouches, loosely have a place where those live. And you can just see when you're taking your inventory what needs to be replaced and restocked. And I think a lot of people, speaking of COVID, also overbought um, just too much quantity so it's really you know, stopping those Amazon auto ships and <laughs> getting an account of what you have.
0: Absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense. And I think the other question I would have is, um, you know, it's great when you come in and we get things all tidy and organized and I can see everything. And obviously, you know, step one is let's let's get there and get started on the right foot. But how do you help people to make it sustainable? hmm do you give them tips or or what kind of follow-up?
1: I think a couple things. Sometimes it's not going to be perfect and, um, you know, it might not work out and you're going to have to fix the, the, the new mess that's come up. But thankfully, most of the time people are able to keep it that way. With that said, there's always maintenance. So, I mean, everyone is going to have to go through their pantry or food at some point or just like your game closet. I mean, it's not going to be five years. You're going to have to keep up on it and do maintenance. But I think that with food in particular, or really any part of your home, once you've put forth that effort and you've, when people call me, I love it because they're wanting to make a change. I'm a horrible salesperson, so I'm not ever talking anyone into it. They want to take action and make a difference for their family. So I think once they've committed to wanting to make that change and they've taken the time to take literally everything out of their kitchen and um, they realize that ultimately they're going to save money because they know what they have, their life's going to flow better, their family, you can actually start making mealtime. So I think that it feels so much better that it's just natural that you're going to want to keep it up. It's really the same with any part of your house. If your shirts are organized, it's going to be easier to put laundry away. So I think it's the same concept in the kitchen.
0: That makes sense. So then clients that you've helped, have you been able to follow up with them or have you gotten feedback about maybe how this has changed the way that they eat or the way that they use their kitchen or feed their families?
1: I think that the number one thing that helps is being able to take, well, number one, if you're Kitchen is a more relaxing, calm environment. You're going to have that opportunity to have family meals together. You know, I've worked with a lot of people that haven't been able to have family meals together sometimes in two, three years because the kitchen table was cluttered. And so that's really exciting and a great moment in their family life when they can have family meals together again. So I think that I just see a lot of, you know, tears of joy and overwhelming happiness and just reliefs from spouses too. Sometimes, you know, you talked in the beginning that Shakara is very tidy, but sometimes, you know, your spouse is the polar opposite and it's kind of like with eating habits, you tend to mirror your spouse. So, you know, I see a lot of conflict between, between spouses. So I think that just that inner piece of the family to have everyone on the same page. And the other thing is a lot of people talk about, well, my, my spouse, you know, he, he or she won't pick up and you know, won't organize their stuff. But I'm like, just focus on what you can focus on first. And it usually trickles down to other people in your family because they see how, how happy it's making you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I loved that you mentioned the table
1: mm-hmm. because
0: I think that that's another one of those things where it sounds so crazy that you know, a pile of papers, for example, could prevent you from years of sitting at a table and eating with your family. And, you know, the experience and the benefits that come from that, um, that literally you were, you were held back, mm-hmm. you know, physically by a pile of stuff on your table. Right. And so to be able to incorporate that into your life by kind of making the simple step essentially of like taking the jump and taking the leap and getting it finally cleaned and organized. I think like you said, it'd be hard when people start to experience that and they realize like what they've been missing out on it'd be more difficult to let that table turn into, you know, a pile of papers and your computers and all of those things. Right. Um, So I think that that's huge. And I think the same way, like you were talking about the kitchen and the way it makes you feel. And Mm -hmm. so when your kitchen's cluttered, even if physically I could – I have all the food, I have all the supplies, I could make a meal. But it's just so uncomfortable and chaotic here. Let's just go out. Like I just – I'm not – feeling good, being Mm -hmm. here and trying to do something is stressing me out. Mm -hmm. Let's just get takeout.
1: Right. And I think that's the, you know, the life that we, many people live now. People are working crazy hours and uh, in general kids do more activities than they did when I was growing up. So I think takeout is a a huge topic because I think that's absolutely what people end up doing for obvious reasons. It's quick and convenient and don't have time to cook. So that's another thing I've talked to a lot of clients who have started healthy meal services just because we do also live in a day and age where people are willing to pay for services where they might not have been willing to do that in our grandparents' generation. So absolutely. I think that you know you have to work with what's going to work for your family. And if that's starting a meal service and that's in your budget, <laughs> jump on it. (laughs) I
0: agree. Well, and that I think brings to another point, like meal services. And I think even services like yours, like professional organizing, I think that brings to the point, like, don't be ashamed to get the the help. Like you Mm -hmm. said, if it's in your budget and it's something that you can do, I think sometimes some people, some of us feel ingrained, like I have to do everything myself, that I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. If someone has to ship me you know the ingredients for my meals in a box, and someone has to come in and clean my house. Well, you have other talents. You know what I mean? That's yeah. I think that it's it's important for people to recognize like it's it's impossible to be all of these things and not to be ashamed mm-hmm. to get that help. Especially because, like you said, it will it will help you be better at the things that you you like to do and yes. that you really want to do. So I think that that's a very important point to bring up too, and I was also thinking. So I think being messy or untidy—I don't know what what in the in the business <laughs> what you guys call—but um, I think that it has societally like maybe not not a very positive connotation. So I would imagine that there's a lot of people that carry a lot of guilt or shame of, about the way that maybe the condition that they're living in Mm -hmm. and I think like you said it's often easier to have someone like yourself who's kind of an outsider come in versus you know a a sister or a friend um, because I think there's some sort of guilt or shame either how did how do you live this way how do you let things get this way how do you manage that with your clients or how do you approach that
1: I think, yeah, some some people don't care at all, and uh, that's great. But, yeah, absolutely. A lot of people, I always reiterate that everything is totally confidential, and I think that I just tell them I only want to make life easier for you, so you know please don't ever do anything to prepare for my arrival. So I think if they feel comfortable with me, thankfully they're able to just not, not care. And, cause it, it would take a lot for me to think anything. And, uh, there's, there's no judgment. And <laughs> so I think that I just have to develop that personal relationship with them. Cause I really don't, uh, I don't think anything of it. So and in order to, to make progress, they have to let the, let their walls down. But I think thankfully, since this industry has been growing, I think, you know, 10% year over year that mm-hmm. so many people have, use this service too, And I'm proud of my clients because I can't tell you the number of times someone in their life is like, you don't need to, you don't need to do that. You know, I can help you or you can do that. And I'm glad that they're acknowledging that. No, I, it's okay to have, have someone help and it's, it'll be okay.
0: Right. Well, and I think it's even, it's a, you know, self-help is a big Mm -hmm. buzz right now, but this isn't maybe what people think of necessarily, but I think this is a huge form of, Self care and mm-hmm. self help, um, because again, it's it's the impact that your environment has on all the other things that you do, and so I think, you know, if it's going to help you psychologically, if it's going to help you maintain the healthy habits that you want to maintain, this is absolutely a, a form of self care that people should.
1: Yes, and kitchens adopt. are one of the areas in particular. A lot of times, people don't know where to start in their mm. home organization process and a lot of times I will recommend kitchens. Kitchens or closets because you know you're starting your day every day getting dressed but kitchens you know as everyone says the heart of the home so I think it's a great place to tackle if you're questioning what part of your home to get started in. Absolutely.
0: Um, so th- this is kind of more of like a question as I thought about mm-hmm. it personally because I, I do believe I, I certainly Understand and see the benefits of being organized, um, particularly, like I said, in in the adulting, mm-hmm. where where your your response your responsibilities are are much more. Yes, and so in order to navigate that, being organized, it, it really does make a huge difference. That said, um, there is a certain uh, part of me that really feels comfort, I think, in some sort of chaos, and so I laugh because. They've gotten fewer and fewer, but as I've gotten, um, I've always had, it used to be multiple drawers. Now it's, you know, kind of down to maybe one and a half that were just my stuff. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they kind of just needed to be a mess.
1: And that's okay. And so (laughs) I don't know, you know, is there
0: like a comfort in the chaos or do you experience this in people that are just like, Leave that one alone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I do. And I, you know, for example, in kitchens, it's okay to have a junk drawer. I mean, mm-hmm. you might need two junk drawers. That's totally okay. Or maybe your, you know, unfinished basement is where you're, you know, a lot of people, that's where the kids roam. And yeah. it's just, they're certainly not going to bother having the kids pick that up every day. And that's fine. Just let it, let it be. Or maybe you're okay with your kid's room being a mess, whatever that is. If there's uh-huh. certain zones in your home, that's okay. Well, because
0: I always loved it. That. I didn't know if it was some sort of, like, rebellion, you know, or, like, hanging on to my youth. But, you know, in that same reason... need my drawer. I know. I was like, that drawer
1: is going to just be full of crap. Yeah. Um, it's like a, almost a re- relief for you to just have that little space. It really
0: is. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's funny. But, again, speaks to just the weird psychology that I think sometimes we overlook that goes into all yes. of this.
1: And, you know, I can read people pretty well and sometimes I just know that we're not going to worry about this. They, you know, can get a little bit, I don't want to say defensive, but you know, I just know, nope, not worth it. Let's look at the big picture and if this little area is going to be a crazy zone, that's okay.
0: <laughs> well, and that also kind of got me thinking some of the, that same research would suggest that for some things, being in a less structured, kind of less organized environment, fosters some creativity or outside-of-the-box thinking. Mm -hmm. So I was curious, too, in your own home, sometimes are you selective where I would think, you know, in my kitchen where I have a very clear objective that I want to, you know, prepare dinner Mm -hmm. in a timely manner that's healthy for my family. Um, Maybe my kitchen, it would really serve me well for it to be very organized. Um, But if I do work or have hobbies that are really much more Creative, or I need to be more artistic or outside of the box. Do you ever have that experience where it's like maybe this space is not as well served for you know all of your little paintbrushes to be in a row? And I don't know because I'm not an artist, mm-hmm. but um, well, I, I, thought I think it was interesting. sometimes
1: it just I have to mirror the personality of my client because yeah, not everyone is going to want the yeah the perfect rows. So I think it just. That's why I talked earlier about functional organization. And I'd say I do real life organizing because a lot of the TV shows and shows that are out now, um, you know, it's making it look perfectly beautiful. But in real life, your cereal is not always going to be perfectly to the top of the container. So I think that it's just realistically working with what is going to make you feel good and what will be sustainable. And I, and then, yeah, I think it depends on the area. And like you said, my daughter is nine and she's, she just, her room's never going to be, like, perfectly neat. And I think she's okay with having stacks of books. It's not going to be chaotic, but it's not going to be, you know, five things in her room and everything lined up. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, messy, but it's not perfect to some people. And that's, that's totally fine.
0: And do you think that... Um... Is it often that you find that it seems like things are disorganized or is it often that there's an excess, there's excess? Because I actually always felt like I am actually, I'm actually a very structured and disciplined person, but I I just always felt comfort in having too much stuff around Mm -hmm. me. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes sense. <laughs> like, you're speaking my language. Speaking,
1: I think that that's probably the most, uh, probably important question of the day because, you know, there's a saying, you can't organize excess, you can't organize mm-hmm. clutter, um, you know, all those little catchphrases, but they're true. And I think, I always say, in my opinion, about 90% of organization is that sorting process. It's that last 10% where you get to make it look pretty and nice, but... Uh, to me, the majority of it is reducing the quantity that you have. I think that's the, the the biggest part. And I can usually tell right off the bat if someone's not willing to release anything that they own, it's going to be very challenging. And sometimes that's the case, you know, maybe based on their profession or something, they aren't able to get rid of anything, and it's truly just reorganizing and sorting what they have. But mm-hmm. I would say that, like, I specialize in decluttering and that is, yeah, you reducing the amount of stuff that you have. Otherwise, you can't truly get organized. It's not going to work. So, and that I think sense. with kitchens in particular, yeah, it's just food maybe that they haven't sometimes seen in three years. And uh, how do you know how do you know what you can cook with if everything is if there's too much of it and just kitchen gadgets and kitchen utensils and pots and pans and. So when I'm in a kitchen, we empty every single thing out of the kitchen and go through every single item. And then we talk about functionality. You know, if the sippy cups are being used right right here, why are they being stored over here? You know, putting things at kids level, all of those types of things.
0: It makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, you're the professional. So can you kind of walk us through, you, you had alluded to this and sort of coaching and prepping people to take stock of what they have and kind of make a plan. Can you kind of walk me through? And, you know, I, I won't adhere mm-hmm. you to this. If I hear this isn't exactly the routine right. you're keeping every week, I, won't, I right. won't blame you. But what's kind of
1: your your process that you in go my through with your own life? family? Oh, yeah. okay, that's a fun question. <laughs> I would say in my personal life, like Sunday is my day, where um, I do grocery shopping. So I would say a loose meal plan for meals every night of the week. In our house, we usually have Friday specifically for, you know, is some sort of takeout or going out to eat. And then Saturday lunch, we have out. That's just kind of our little routine. And, but other than that, you know, um, lunches are usually kept pretty simple and that can be more of the same thing on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, breakfasts are more of the, you know, eggs or bagels, those standard things. But for dinner specifically, Um, I, I have it mapped out what we're eating each night that week. And I mean, obviously life comes up and, you know, hamburger meat can be frozen if something comes up, but, uh, and then like I mentioned earlier, I think it's important to have your staples that, you know, you're going to buy every week and taking five or 10 minutes before you, you do your weekly grocery run and figuring out what needs to be restocked or, um, also I hate wasting food. So, you know, what, what can you use up? So maybe this is the week that you need to make X, Y, or Z to use up what you actually have, the fresh food. And, and then in a perfect world, do I always dice up and have the grapes readily available? No, not always. But in a perfect world, that would be great if the snacks were accessible for the kids. Absolutely.
0: Well, I think and that speaks to, like you said, it has other benefits. You know, when you're using what you have, you're saving money. Um, you know, you're not wasting food. This is all, it's good for the environment, all of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it has, it has benefits beyond even what's happening at the mealtime. Um, and then the other thing that you mentioned when Mm -hmm. you said loose meal planning, I'm not sure if this is what you were talking about, but I have always said sometimes even more difficult than preparing the meal is deciding Mm -hmm. what are we going to eat. And so sometimes we'll do, like I always use Taco Tuesday as the example because my other days have fluctuated over time, but I, I usually have a loose mental idea of like Mondays we do this and it's Tuesdays we do some sort of Mexican food, like you said. So I think that that just helps frame it. It's not like it's a rule and if I decide something else would be really good that day that I'm like, sorry, it's Taco yeah. Tuesday. But <laughs> yes. um, it just takes that, I feel like as professionals and as parents you get decision fatigue to be honest Mm -hmm. and it's like I don't know what you know and so making that decision ahead of time a and then having some sort of loose framework so you don't have to pick everything out of the sky and Mm -hmm. just say like we'll just do this is kind of the usual genre of food and maybe we'll switch it up pasta night will be spaghetti and meatballs one night and you know fettuccine and chicken another night or whatever but it just makes it easy So is that the kind of thing that you're talking about with? Yes,
1: for sure. Yeah, Monday night is is this night. Or even, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be that. Monday night is definitely spaghetti and meatballs. That could also be Wednesday night. And and I think, too, if you ever just scan social media for any parent groups or mother groups that you're a part of, how many times have you seen, what crockpot ideas do you have? What meal plans do you have? So another tip that I like to give is, write out just literally on a piece of paper 20 ideas of some meal ideas that you like to make and just so that's in your head and so you don't have to think because maybe you're irritated your husband doesn't ever give any input how many times have I heard people say that a lot (laughs)
0: just tell me what you want so that
1: that you know burden so to speak is some oftentimes on the the woman of the family and that's uh, if that's how it is, then get your kids involved, you know, name five meals that you love and have that list that you can reference. The other
0: thing that's kind of top of mind for you and me, school's getting started um, since we have school age kids. And uh, again, this made me reflect because I, I, there's something about new beginnings that I'm kind of just get super excited about. Like literally, I get excited about the first of the month. I get excited about Mondays and Sundays because either one could be the first of the week whichever I decide I get excited about New Year's Day as long as I'm feeling well and um, <laughs> I think that's awesome I get excited about the first day of school like since I was going to school and since my kids didn't I didn't know you know I think as much as I tended to be a a, a messy person mm-hmm. I love structure yeah <laughs> so that's kind of an anomaly but that is sort of top of mind right now and i do think for a lot of us life becomes a lot more structured Mm -hmm. once school starts and so are there anything that you either recommend or in your own home as school starts that you sort of implement in terms of feeding your family whether that's sort of breakfast packing lunches school time when like you said it's after school after after extracurriculars
1: um yeah i think that's Great topic this time of year with school starting. And I think it's the same concepts that come into play. Have, I mean, as much as you can, (laughs) have everything planned, planned out. I mean, it's even more important during the school year when the activities start coming. And I think the other thing is I think a lot of parents I see are more overwhelmed than normal during the summer because your kids are around more and messes start. Are, are more are more plentiful when the kids are around all the time. So it's okay to acknowledge, too, going in the school year that everything doesn't have to be perfect and maybe now this is your time that maybe you have more time when, when the kids are in school that you can actually dedicate to, to getting organized. I even mm-hmm. say sometimes, even still in the summer, if your kids can go for a few hours with someone, the grandparents, and you can just have that time without them there, So I think that sometimes I've noticed people are really ready to dive in after the kids go to school. So I think it's a great time to tackle it, maybe what you've been putting off. Absolutely.
0: I agree. And then do you have any tips maybe for something like parents that are packing school lunches? Is there anything that you would just give advice? Like maybe here's a great way to make that easier on yourself by implementing some sort of organizational tactic.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that this goes in with school lunches and actually goes in with organization period. I think it's to get your kids involved as much as possible. So in every part of the house, you know, with unloading the dishwasher, making their bed, whatever. But I think with food prep too. Um, So I think, you know, maybe your kindergartner is or is not old enough to start making their lunch. But I think if they're part of the process and, you know, they're taking accountability and responsibility to pack their school snack and actually get it in their backpack. So as much pre-planning as possible the night before, uh, easier said than done, I realize. Mm-hmm. But I think getting kids involved because when it comes down to it with any home organization, it's never going to be able to work if the mom or dad or mom and dad are responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. So. And while we all know it can be hard to delegate, it's going to just make it that much easier. So you have to resist saying that it's so much easier to do it my do it yourself. Because, right. so I think if your kids can could be a part of the process.
0: Well, I suppose it's very much facilitated when, like you said, you've organized it so the child can find what they're mm-hmm. supposed to put in their lunch or their snack. And like you said, things are at the proper level. So if your kid has to climb up on top of the counter every time that they want to get their lunchbox out, right. it doesn't make much sense. Yes. So it seems obvious, but you can facilitate it for yourself and maybe make it, like you said, we've all been there and just said this is just easier if I do it myself, but you can make it much more easy and, and mm-hmm. possible for your child to do their part if if you organize things in such a way that Yes. It's actually.
1: Yeah, and I think that goes in hand in hand with eating healthy and having less chaotic family dinner times if everything else, you know, so maybe you, this is the great time to, this isn't food related, but it's indirectly food related to have your paperwork process set up. So when Mm -hmm. the backpack comes home with the 43 pieces of paper, where do they go? (laughs) And then, you know, when your mail comes in, if it's a, piece of junk. It literally goes in the recycling bin before it ever touches your kitchen counter or island or wherever it might be. So I think some of those other areas make food time harder because those other areas aren't. So I think it's going back to school is the great time to figure out your command center or whatever that looks like. And, you know, maybe you have Sunday evening five-minute meetings to discuss who has what practices what night and just make sure everyone's on the same page, and you know I think just a whole flow and talking through everything else can make it easier to flow better in the kitchen. Absolutely. so uh,
0: you know if any of our listeners are listening to this and it's really speaking to them and they feel like they would benefit from services mm-hmm. from a professional yeah. organizer such as yourself, you you service now both the Omaha and Lincoln areas in yes. Nebraska here?
1: Yes, uh, Omaha and Lincoln. And um, people can contact me through, you know, text message, email, uh, through Facebook or Instagram. And um, usually we're able to work with people in a, you know, within the, a few week period. It just depends on our, our schedule. But
0: yeah, absolutely. And we can, we'll include all that information of how people can contact you. Thank you. Um, Cause I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening to this and sound here saying, this is what I need. I need to get started on the right foot. So like <laughs> I think that's incredible. Well, thank you so much,
1: Casey. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Oh,
0: absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, so I think we can kind of move into our next section, which is ask me anything. What I didn't tell you is they're going to ask you
1: too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like Surprise. It. <laughs> and now it's
0: time for your questions. Ask me anything with Dr. Kristen on the Feeding the Family podcast. Our first listener question is, how important are boundaries and routines to staying organized? So I will, I would say for me in particular, routine is essential to staying organized because I think, like I'd mentioned before, I don't feel like I physically tend towards order. And so... I think that's actually why I like structure so much, if that makes sense, and routines, because it's what allows me to maintain the organ- the, the physical organization in my world. Mm-hmm. If that's, so things that you mentioned, like saying on Sundays, we decide what the meals are and we inventory the pantry. Or on this night, we clean out the backpacks and put the papers here. Mm-hmm. It's not my propensity is that those papers never really bothered me is really what it is it's not so much I think that I want them there it's just that they don't bother me but over time they create problems and so having that routine is actually what allows me to say well well it's Friday and so we do this and Mm -hmm. that's what makes the organization sustainable at least for me
1: yes I completely agree uh and I think along the lines with boundaries uh you know, people oftentimes, oh, is your house perfect? It's not perfect. It's very well organized, I it hope. It is pretty, but, pretty well organized. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> yes. But with that said, I, I mean, I'm a human and I have two kids in my house. And in particular, our kitchen um, counter sometimes just gets loaded with stuff. So I personally know that that's a boundary for me. And sometimes I just have to stop and deal with what's there before it turns into a problem. And I, my family probably hates it, but I said, we have to process this stuff. We have to process it.
0: Your kids are going to grow up <laughs> saying this. No one's going to know what they're talking about. Yes. They're like, well, we need to process to what's process. on the counter. Yes, yeah. What
1: are <laughs> Yes, totally. <laughs> or like I think with boundaries, it's not like I ever want my house to be so uh, uncomfortable that my kids can't be creative and play. At any given time, our basement is a circus or a grocery store or whatever. But, you know, sure, maybe that's out for a few nights. But I think it's knowing your boundaries and realizing, okay, guys, this one more night and it has to be cleaned up. Like we're done. Yes. We're done yes. with the grocery the store. And the, yeah. Yes. So I think it's knowing your personal boundary. That's how I interpret that question. Like what you're what you're willing to be okay with while at the same time letting your kids, you know, foster their creativity. Absolutely. That's great. Our
0: next question is what is the most important rule to consider when you're looking to keep or get rid of something? Okay. So that question makes me think of uh Marie Kondo, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. isn't she the one Spark because I, Joy? Yes. Yeah, so I I honestly did not read that book. Mm-hmm. And uh but I'm familiar and she had the show, they had the yes. show. So I watched a little bit of that. And it was honestly only because I had heard about it from you.
1: Mm-hmm. And um,
0: if I recall, the process was supposed to be that you would take each item in your home and hold it up and see if it sparked a joy for you. Yes,
1: and that was a big key. You have to
0: touch it. Touch it, yeah. and uh, I mean that was like laughable to me. I, <laughs> I tried. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's not gonna work. For me. <laughs> and I think it's interesting because um, I don't. I don't actually feel like. Uh, I don't know if it has to do with if you're more sentimental about objects because um, I just laughed. Like I couldn't, There, I think I'm actually not sentimental about objects and that's probably the only thing that made me like not hoard completely is as much as I loved kind of the excess and mm-hmm. and the chaos, I don't hold on to things for the sake of like, oh, right, you know, I remember this and I remember that. So I'm probably like the worst kind of disorganized person because I don't even keep like cool stuff or, or later
1: kids scribbled on a piece of paper. yeah
0: exactly so I'll probably also <laughs> yeah. regret that in the yeah. future but um I think that for me as I've gotten better was just because I I mean I have some emotional attachments to items but for me it's mostly just function like I you know you have shirts in your closet and they're the same shirts you skip over wearing time and time mm-hmm. again so at some point I have to just say today is the day we go through and we say like would I wear this shirt out Mm -hmm. today nope I think I don't actually like this shirt so it just needs to go so I think it's more just inventorying do I actually use this it's Mm -hmm. like a functional question that is
1: so true otherwise
0: it's just taking up space
1: yeah and I and and that whole spark joy thing was so trendy a few years ago, and I'm and sure I do, for people. I certainly do ask that along the lines of, do you like that shirt? No. <laughs> why, right. why do we, why, why are you keeping it? So I think it is valid with certain things, because it's just kind of common sense, like, no, I don't, I hate that plant, get rid of it, but I think, you know, like, does anyone really love a hammer, but, if, you know, it's just one of those, <laughs> That's a, good one. a necessity that you have to have a hammer in your So I think that more importantly, is like, why do you have this item and do you use it? Yes. So I think those are two questions that I will. And then like I touched on earlier, then it's a matter of going deeper. Some people are are ultra sensitive. Some people are not sensitive, but sentimental. And some people are very, um, yeah, just want to keep everything. So I think it's just a matter of. You, it's your decision only that you get to make. No, never feel obligated to keep something if you truly don't think you're ever going to use it. But on the flip side, um, there's a T-shirt that you know you'll never wear. It's okay to keep that T-shirt too. I sure. mean, it may be that T-shirt does make you happy. So, And I also don't think, and I think I've talked to you about this before, Kristen, is that it doesn't matter to me how long you've had clothes. You're right. Like I have a... Minneapolis marathon shirt from Oh six. That's like basically falling apart. And Those it's like my favorite t-shirts. shirt I own. Um, so th- someone would think I'm a little strange if they saw that in my house. But
0: our final question today is what is the process you recommend in getting rid of something you have a strong emotional connection to? I mean, for me, if I actually had a strong emotional tie to the item, I would keep it because for me, that bar is pretty high. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'm sure in your line of work, you come across people that are all over the board. So
1: Yeah, I think that that's kind of a hard question because, of course, it's very dependent upon the situation. And, you know, I work with a lot of people who um, are experiencing death of loved ones. And those, of course, as you would imagine, are some of the most difficult items to go through. And so I think um, time, of course, um, makes it easier. So as time goes on, you can kind of get a feel. And I think... Uh, laying all of the items in a particular category so you know maybe there's all these your loved one was into vases so it's like if you see 30 vases I think sometimes it's easier to pick out which ones are actually most special and meaningful to you so and I think other sentimental things are is it really meaning something to you or is it back to that guilt where like I feel like I need to hang on because my best friend gave it to me or something.
0: so thank you all for listening today to our feeding the family with dr kristen podcast again if you have any questions that you would like answered please email us your questions at dr kristen podcast, podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on any of our social media facebook instagram channels And uh, I look forward to hearing those questions and to talking to you again soon, thanks.